Blog Talk Radio. Here on Blog Talk Radio, one the cyber world of the internet, and we are doing this show as a special repeat, but a live repeat because, as you know, we had a little bit of technical issues, and you were able to hear the beautiful music of our guests, but you couldn't hear anything that we were talking about, and you missed a great conversation. But we'll try to replicate as much as we can. I'm going to ask her some great questions. And you guys that are listening, if you call in, just call in at 347-237-5050. Or you can uh, look on the website and join the chat room so you can um, send a little comment or whatever or just follow through with us during the interview. So I'm going to go and bring in by you and see if we can get this done right. And if anybody's in the uh, chat room, please let me know if you can hear us. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> I hope it's finally working this time. <laughs> well, it's good to hear from you again. Oh, and same here. I was told not to push the yellow button, and I'm not going to. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it's working, but it sounds good. Oh, so how are you this, this great weekend? 
I'm doing great, and look at this weather. It's getting a lot sunnier and a lot warmer in New York City where I am, so I'm very happy about that. I know, because I think the last time we talked, it was cold, and I think we're getting some snow or some crap, so, you know, I'm glad that spring is finally just poking its little nose into the door. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us about your um, budding career, but first start with, you know, how you decided to get into it and some of your musical background. Sure. So I've always grown up with music. Um, My parents were both musicians, and that's actually how they met in college. And so growing up, you know, my dad was always, like, playing the sax, and he also plays the bamboo flute and the American, the European orchestra flute, orchestral flute. And my mom always sang, so um, they were always such great influences on me when I was growing up. And you know, when I came to the States, I really, really got into um, American music in the 90s. One of my best friends at the time introduced me to such great art- artists as Mariah Carey, Boyz to Men, TLC, um, Mary J. Blige. So, you know, all those influences came together, and I sort of found my own voice in that. And growing up and just developing that talent, um, I decided to start singing my own music and sort of follow my parents' path, um, you know, and moving onward and into my later life, um, I joined a four-girl R&B singing group when I was still in high school. And then moving forward from that, I started to develop my solo career, was on MTVU for a little while as a VJ. And now um, I recently released an EP called The B-Side. And I actually have a new EP coming out um, in April, and that's going to be called Fanfare. And it's sort of for my fans. Um, giving them songs for free because I really appreciate them and they've supported me through the years and all these things are all just coming together for me as an artist. Wow. Wow. So now, was it it a challenge for you just trying to break into the industry? Because I know for a lot of independent artists it's been it's been really crazy um, just trying to get in and making the right connection. So when you decided to get involved in music on a major level, did you have a lot of challenges? Absolutely. And, you know, as I mentioned, I started trying to get into the industry professionally a, a while back, and that was, you know, in the in the late 90s and even early um, 2000s, and that was still when the big labels ruled. And, you know, that was like a completely different model, and everybody was trying to get on a huge label. Um, but that was also when labels had a lot more push. It was a lot more 360. There was more artist development. You know, um, A&R's really took the time to sort of like – help artists find their voice, really put them out there with the right marketing and the right images and the right, you know, music videos. But now moving forward into 2010, 2011, um, it's not the same story anymore. You know, the Internet's really been blooming, and a lot of independent labels have started um, sprouting up. And that actually is really interesting because it gives a chance to artists like me who don't necessarily, um, you know, don't necessarily feel that the big labels have that same push Mm-hmm. or really just want to put out the, the material that I feel like is really compelling and speaks to me. Um, so I have the chance not only to work with an independent label, but also more um, specifically with an independent label that's just a distributor. So a distribution label allows me to maintain all my masters and copyrights um, and still hold on to my songs, but they are able to sort of use that large label name and um, push that record out there. Well, that sounds great. That seems to be the way to go. I know a lot of uh, artists that do that now. So um, 
Now, what would you say is your your target your target audience um, for your music? Um, I'd like to say that my target audience is anyone who will hear me. <laughs> I think I have a really interesting story to tell, and you know, as we chatted about last time, it, I feel like stories and music and all this, you know, triumphs and hardships and everything like that is universal and it's it's human. Um, so I feel like whoever will listen to me, and I do I do write all my own music, and so everything that I write about is truthful to what I've gone through in life things that I've felt, things that I've gone through, experiences that I've had. So I feel like, you know, if you're anything like me or even if you find bits and pieces of yourself in my music and you listen to it because of that and it draws you to me, I think that's great. So my my music is really for anyone that will listen. Well, speaking of anyone that will listen, I um, listened to you and I loved it. And Thank I've you. been playing it on the radio on our other oh, station. Awesome. Um, you Lovely. and me, um, Broadcast Network, I've been playing um, your music on there. So I'm going to add the other two songs on there, too. Um, right now, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, Sweet Misery so everybody can um, hear that one. Then I'd like you to just kind of uh, explain to people, you know, the background for that song. Absolutely. Sounds good. Looking back, you know I knew about it, knew about it Now that it's done, what can we do about it, do about it Ain't really nothing that is new about it, new about it Now that it's out, I wanna do without it, do without it Sweet misery, it follows me Wherever I go, it likes to put on a show Sweet misery, it follows me Wherever I
push away, I'm done with playing This ain't the life I want, oh please believe it I'm through with all your misbehaving All your misbehavior, oh you best behavior Great song. I hope Thank everybody feels the same way about it as I do. So give us a little bit of, um, you know, uh, background info on this song. Sure. So I actually took a couple months off um, of New York City, not like off of music, but off of New York City to actually work on my music. And I spent some time in Hawaii really just thinking about my life and thinking about what direction I want to go musically. And this song was the first song that really came to me. And um, it basically speaks on the complications of love and how, you know, human emotions aren't always just so simple. Sometimes they're really, really complicated and can be mixed in with a lot of different things. You can love a man. You can, you know, be in love with him and feel warmth and compassion towards him. You could want to spend the rest of your life with him, but at the same time, you could be miserable with him as well, you know, especially when, um, personally, when I was young, you know, and I fell in love with someone, and I knew that the person wasn't the best one for me, um, whether it's because, you know, they're unfaithful or because they just don't treat you well. Sometimes that love is mixed in with a lot of these different negative emotions as well. So when for, for the longest time, I always felt like um, I was feeling all this compassion and all these great feelings towards this person, which was so sweet, but at the same time, I felt like I deserved someone better, and I knew that I deserved someone better, which is where the misery came in. Oh, okay. Well, we we often um, relate to things like that, and I'm glad that, you know, you use some personal experience to write a song, because that, that makes people feel more uh, confident that, you know, you're not just making stuff up, and they can relate to what you were going through. So, glad you wrote that song. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in the dark moments when you feel like you're so alone and you're like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Am I the only one that's feeling this? A lot of times it's helpful when there's something there that you can relate to and you can hear that, yeah, other people have been through it as well. Well, other songs that you've written, um, you know, give us an idea of other experiences that you you may have um, used to channel what you wrote. Um, I mean, I think love is such a powerful, powerful, I don't even know if it's like an emotion or a state of mind, that a lot of my music is about that, and not only about, you know, romantic love, but also just the empowerment of, you know, motherly love, and, you know, how empowering friendship is at the same time, which is another completely different type of love. And also just growing up, I've had um, a lot of struggles financially, and my parents being not of not coming from great wealth in China. You know, we've had to struggle a lot, um, not only in China but in coming to the United States. So I've also written songs about just sticking together and really knowing what you want and then working towards a goal. So I feel like it's all these little things that I've gone through um, that have contributed to my lyrics and my melodies. 
Okay. Now, um, as far as uh, creating the music, you know, um, what producers have you worked with? So for this last EP, I actually worked with a ton of different producers. Um, and I feel like putting myself out there um, on YouTube, Facebook, and all that really helped sort of have people see me and then want to work with me at the same time. So before I started my last album, I was really, really um, lucky that a bunch of folks reached out, sent me a ton of tracks. So on the album, I basically went with tracks that really spoke to me, and I worked with producers that are in the U.K., um, Soundmasters Productions. I worked with Right Minds, all these European producers, and I also stuck with a couple producers that are tried and true to me in the United States, um, including James Shin, who is a Princeton alumni um, who I met while I was on campus, and he actually produced the intro song to that album. Cool. Now, do you have any particular producers in mind that you'd like to work with, more so on the mainstream? Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I kind of sort of revert back to that 90s sort of, I've always been so gung-ho about that era. Um, I would, I think Timbaland has such a fresh style. I think he still has such a fresh style. Um, Ronnie Jerkins is always quality. He always puts out an amazing song, and those two producers are producers that I really want to work with. Um, and, you know, moving forward, I feel like Nerd has a really fresh sound, too. And I'm open to working with any up-and-coming producers, really, anyone that has great music, great ideas. Um, and I am actually working currently with a producer by the name of Kay Quick, and he's um, in Brooklyn, and he's got such a fresh sound that, you know, I'm like, wow, this is just someone who's, gotten out of college and really getting into the production game and he's already so ahead of everyone else that I'm really open to working with fresh talent. Wow. Now, um, are there any artists that you've worked with um, that you enjoyed working with the most? You know, anybody you collaborated with? I actually haven't done a ton of collaborations. Um, I think on my latest single, which is called Take a Number, um, I really, really enjoyed that collaboration with Fred the Godson just because I've never really worked with a rapper, and I always felt like um, rap and R&B were so symbiotic, and it just worked so well. It's that emotion um, that comes from the R&B part of the music, and then the rap grabs you with how hard and how truthful and how, you know, rough it is. Um, and so being with Fred um, really sort of, for me, completed that song and melded that song together. Wow. Now, who would you, who would you, if, and you probably have so many different people that you can think of, but if you could kind of like put it into one person's name, what what artist would you like to collaborate with? Um, so I, I know you kind of made fun of me because of this last time, but I would love to work with Missy Elliott, and I think it's partly because she's so open to all different kinds of music, and she's so open to being kind of, like, wild. And she's also very open to, I feel like, adding Asian elements to her songs and her videos. And I've been such a fan of her since a long time ago, ever since I came to the States. I would absolutely love to work with her. But a lot of the big names now, even, like, Lady Gaga, I think would be an amazing collaboration just because she is so out there. She's always not only changing her imagery, but also just the way that she sounds and her music and the way she portrays herself. I think that would be a wild and crazy collaboration. But one more person who I actually just saw in concert, Adele, I think has an amazing, amazing voice and story to tell at the same time. And I think, you know, 
her and I would actually um, come up with a great story together and be able to share that vocally with everyone else. So that would be a dream collaboration. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I could see you working with all of those artists, especially Lady Gaga, because she, <laughs> she, I mean, she just had this little girl who was a fan of hers, and I guess she saw her on YouTube or somebody sent the video of her singing her song to her on YouTube. I think she's like nine or something like that, and she sounded so good. Um, and she just contacted her, and now the little girl's performing with her in the concert. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that's so amazing, and that's another thing that speaks to you know the power of social media and the internet. And I actually um, heard that little girl before she blew up and was, um, you know, Miss. I sang for Lady Gaga, and she did a, a cover of Jesse J's price tag, and I loved it, and I subscribed to her channel, and then all of a sudden something like this happens, and it, it's amazing. And she's Asian-American, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm all about that. And all of a sudden it blew up. She got millions and millions of views, and I think she has an amazing voice, and she's, like, teeny tiny. She's 10 years old. She's super cute. So yeah. I love that something like that can happen. Yeah, it's happened a lot lately, you know. Um, um, YouTube has made a lot of stars out there of people, just everyday people that have a dream just like anybody else. And um, some of them have excelled to, you know, stellar celebrity because of it. Um, and some of them even not even as an artist. Like they were just used in, in something like the guy Antoine Fisher. When he did, um, oh, my gosh. All yeah. he did was <laughs> just say something to about an incident that happened to his sister, but he wasn't even the one that was like, Putting the whole musical element on there. Somebody no. else did it because they do a lot on um, on different videos that are like getting hits because of what's happening. Right. So, then they turn into a music a music video. So and then they sell it on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they, and now he's like famous. They had him at BET Awards and all this oh, other gosh. stuff. And I'm like he's not even an artist. That's what cracks no. me up. <laughs> so you can anyone can make music these days, you know. And you know what? I can't even judge. It's because, you know, I feel like it's great that the American audience is so open to sort of anything, even if it's a parody of something. Um, you know, instead of just being confined to, oh, this is music, this is what a big label is pushing out to me. And that's kind of fun, you know, and I can't judge. Well, I mean, I'll always tell everybody out there, take advantage of whatever you can get on the Internet as far as exposure because there are so many different um, things on there that you can do to get your music out there, to get your, um, you know, whatever product you're selling or whatever you're doing. Um, You just got to keep on pushing it and you make your videos viral and then everybody's, like, looking at it because I have read some, um, you know, some data on People are increasing crazy um, numbers for videos. Like they look at videos before they look at an email, or they look at videos before they, you know, uh, look at a regular TV show. They're looking at the videos on YouTube or, or, um, you know, any of those other hosting sites. So Absolutely. even if you just put pictures of yourself and mm-hmm. make a video with your song. You know, or you get a picture of some something that has to do with your song, you can make a hit out of it. You know, just yeah. putting it on there. That's crazy. Just gotta be creative. Just gotta be creative. Oh, definitely. So let me throw on another song, and I'm gonna actually put on to take a number that you mentioned earlier, and then let everybody hear that one, and then we'll Sounds be good. right back with by you.
sound like you guys um, had a great time putting that together. There's a lot of energy in that song. Oh, yeah. And I always have a great time with um, Kay Quick, and he's the one that I was talking about earlier who essentially mm-hmm. produced my entire next EP. We always joke around and have great energy. Something's always bouncing off the walls. So <laughs> so it's, it's great working with him. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Now, um, I know that you do some modeling and a few other things. Now, uh, are you still modeling, you know, along with uh, creating music? So, actually, I was an aspiring model when I was much younger, um, and I I realized growing older that that's really essentially just because I really like taking pretty pictures. Um, so I wouldn't consider myself uh, a straightforward model nowadays. I just take a lot of promo shots usually um, for albums or magazines or whatnot. Um, but I am an actress. Um, I was a VJ for a while, and that sort of really got me into the whole acting world. I've been in a couple of independent films, um, and I actually shot uh, in an independent film while I was in Hawaii and even shot one with the legendary Dan Curry, who has a couple Emmys under his belt um, before I left. Um, that's a short film as well. Uh, so I feel like it's it's really interesting to be a creative spirit who's sort of willing to dibble-dabble in this and a little bit of that just because I feel like it's all art. It's all expressing myself. I dance. You know, I act. I create. I draw. I like to write music. I like to write poetry. And it all sort of comes together for me um, just being a creative person. Wow. Now, um, I know that you were with MTV. How was that experience? Because I don't don't get an opportunity to talk to a lot of people that were with them. But um, how was that? Because it was a different department, right? Like a different different area of MTV? 
Um, so I was a, a VJ, a video jockey for MTVU, which is MTV University, um, and that channel is broadcasted throughout the United States to all universities for free, I believe. Um, and so that was really interesting, especially since that was in the heyday of TRL, and I felt like that was sort of the university's voice in, oh, what are the top new um, music videos that are coming out? Um so about once a week, there's a new show, and we listen to a couple of new songs. And it's not always, like, straight-up pop culture songs that you would hear on TRL. It's a little more alternative, um, a little more underground, a little more edgy and indie. Um, and we would basically, me and maybe two other um, DJs would talk about the upcoming songs, um, up-and-coming song, as well as the video, and talk about funny elements of it, and just joke around with each other, and basically have a good time, and it's a show called The Freshman, and I essentially did that for about um, two and a half years, and had a blast, and it's one of those things that it's like, you sort of just go there, and you volunteer your time, you go into the city, and as a student, that's really exciting for me, because, you know, being on campus all the time, being in New Jersey, I felt like it was a really fun chance for me to get involved in the music world, and really express my opinions and, you know, get some camera time, get some practice in and uh, meet some new friends at the same time and get some, you know, get up my ante in terms of knowledge of good music that's up and coming. Cool. Do you ever think of um, doing that type of stuff again? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm not sure if I told you this last time, but I was, I started out as an economics major um, when I was still at Princeton, but about one or two months into my junior year, when you're really supposed to solidify your um, your major, I decided, okay, this is really not what I'm looking to learn about. And so I switched over to sociology, and I, I was super-duper happy um, in that field just because I'm such a social person. You know, I like to talk to people. I like to get to know about them, their lives, you know, how they came to be who they are today. And not just, not only that, but just, like, speak on topics and evaluate situations. And I feel like being a VJ and being a television personality um, really sort of brings all those different things together. And I think it would be really great if I could continue that part of my uh, my past. Well, I mean, you know, there's always options out there to do that. I mean, we have so many different types of um, television media, you know, with cable networks and regular local networks, the internet stuff, you know, it's, it's it's a lot of opportunity out there. Oh, yeah, and that's and, what's, what's great about this day and age, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, and it can connect you with, you know, other resources to help you with your music, too. Absolutely. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> Everything ties together. Now, how has your popularity um, been in, like, let's say in China or any other country outside the United States? Um, I'm actually, from my understanding, I don't think that the um, the audience in China really is on to me just yet. Um, and I feel like partly that's because I have a huge presence on YouTube, a huge presence on Twitter. I don't know if folks in China can view Twitter, but YouTube is banned in China. I believe no. it's still banned in China. Um, and so a lot of places where I'm very interactive and putting myself out there and being creative and like sort of engaging my fans, I feel like the Chinese audience can't really get to. Um, and even my parents, who are who are born and bred Chinese, um, who are now Chinese Americans, they still really frequent um, Chinese websites, you know, watch Chinese television. And for me, a lot of my material is in English. Um, but that's not to say that I don't want to actually create Chinese songs as well, because I speak fluent Mandarin and I love my culture. Um, 
So I feel like that's just something I need to sort of expand into. But right now, I also feel like it's great that I am sort of trying to break through in the American market, which is what I've been trying to focus on for, you know, a long time, because there hasn't been much Asian-American presence um, in entertainment, even though that's slowly changing. You know, you're you're getting actresses like Lucy Liu and Maggie Q and Zhang Ziyi, um, and, you know, Jackie Chan, all those folks, and that's great in the cinema and even on TV. But I feel like in music... Aside from Far East Movement and Bruno Mars, who I both think are amazing group slash artists, <laughs> oh, um, there hasn't, yeah, absolutely, there, there hasn't been that Asian presence, um, that female presence in the music world. And I feel like, you know, it's that Selena syndrome. Someone's bound to make it and make some great music and make an impact and break some boundaries sooner or later. And I would love, love for that to be me. And so that's what I'm really focusing on right now. I th- I agree with you, and, and I do think it needs to, you know, be a big focus. I know um, um, somebody gave me the video for a little girl in Japan who's, like, in Japan, she's, like, the Beyonce of, of Japan. Her name oh is my Jomoso, Jomoso, something like that. And I listened to her sing in Japanese, and I listened to her sing in English. And she has a really nice voice, and she's very young, you know, and she's, like, um, got the, the Rihanna red hair. Mm-hmm. And um, But um, my son looked at her, he's, like, 17, and he said um, when he listens to her and he looks at her perform, he thinks of Mariah Carey. Right. And um, because it seems like she's imitated somewhat the way Mariah's physical body moves when she's performing, you know, which I, after I looked at it again, yeah, that's true. So I can tell that a lot of people outside the United States sort of emulate the um, Western artists um, when they're trying to perform or if they're trying to, like, you know, get their music heard over to do a crossover promotion. Um, have you ever noticed something like that? And then if you have, have you ever tried to do that yourself? Oh, absolutely. And I think that just comes with scale, you know. I feel like when I'm in China and I'm at a record store, you can find all these Western artists there. Um, you know, Mariah Carey, even as soon as I came to the States and went back, I immediately noticed, like, wow, all these artists that I love in the United States are all over the shelves in the bookstores and music stores in China. So it's really just scale. I feel like if I make it big in the United States, then it's essentially going to leak over, not not only even in, the, in Asia, but in Europe and Africa and Australia and all these different places, because in a sense, you know, um, just like New York Fashion Week sort of sets the tone for fashion for the next season, I feel like the American music scene in a lot of ways also sets the tone for what the world finds is popular. Of course, that always changes a little bit, and you're getting a lot of international sounds that are now being popular in the United States. But for the for the most part, you know, I'm sure folks in Japan are all over um, Far East Movement and Bruno Mars, and that's essentially because they made it huge here. And they make great music, but because, you know, that this this – this audience that's so hard to break through and a lot of times very fickle is sort of embracing one of their own. Oh, yeah, I know the producer for that, um, like a G6 song with uh, the Far East Movement. And it's funny because um, before it even just like really took off, I was able to talk to him a lot. <laughs> but now <laughs> that he's taken off, I can barely catch up with him because he's been all over the place. In fact, he had just come back from Japan and working with these guys uh, and working with some other guys, you know, um, on some new music because he has a lot of connects in Asia. 
And um, he was telling me about it, and he told me about working with all these different people, and then he mentioned the song, Let Me Hear It, and then next thing I know, it's like number one on the dance charts, and, so crazy. and like he's out there, and he's done work with Drake and Usher and Brandy and, you know, a bunch of other people, and he's based out of ACL, but it's like he's a producer, then he's trying to be more vocal, like Neo and Kanye West and mm-hmm. and other people have done. And it's like it just took off. So it's amazing how you just sit in the background for a little while, and then, you know, you decide to be a part of something a little bit bigger, and it takes off. It's crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like, you know, as consumers or even as music enthusiasts, we sort of, we're like, whoa, where did this group come from? All of a sudden they're number one. But when you really hear their backstory and you hear that they've been going at it and struggling and performing at every single show possible for for a really long time, you sort of come to, you know, have, understand their struggle and have a sense of, okay, these people have really paid their dues, um, especially with Far East Movement. So Definitely. I think that that's great you know, that, you know, all their hard work has really paid off. And he's busy enough that you can hardly catch him. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. Oh, yeah, it is a great thing because now, you know, he's able to do a lot of other things and um, help other people. So, you know, I'm actually going to send him um, your music, and I sent him Jamosa's music. And um, if he gets a moment and he can look into it, you know, he can do that because Timberland is, is also one to cross-promote and go into other areas to bring more, you know, different styles from other countries out and kind of bring it over here. Now, what I do find kind of weird is that a lot of artists from the United States can go into Europe and Asia, you know, and parts over there and be like even bigger stars. But, you know, over here in the in the U.S., they're not treated as such. I mean, they are big stars, but they're not, it's not like a big big thing, you know, like it's just like more music, you know, as soon as we don't hear the song anymore, we go on to the next person. Um, Michael Jackson went through a lot of that and that's why most of his fan base is is um international. Right. So And I think yeah. there's some there's some international fans that are just really enthusiastic and really diehard fans. And even though, you know, it's really sad that Kelly Rowland her tour got cancelled earlier last year, her fan base in Europe is huge and you know she has like number one hits over there so i can definitely see why artists um you know are drawn to other markets just because they're so faithful to their music and to you know following them and keeping up with them and purchasing you know their songs and supporting them as artists definitely because they really love 50 cent in germany because (laughs) um, over here um he gets like 250 a show or something like that, and uh-huh. over there it's doubled. Right, I believe you. I believe you. That's what's crazy. I mean, like they support you so much more over there that you even get paid a lot more, depending on who you are. Now I know everybody doesn't right. get the same, you know, basis. But I have an artist that I work with that's R and B soul, and um, over here is pretty much he's not known except in his hometown, and in Japan and the UK, he's known because his music has reached the top of the charts, which is really crazy because, um, you know, in his hometown, they don't pay that much attention to it because it's so, like, well, for one thing, R&B is pretty much getting, you know, like blocked in a, uh-huh. in a way, in a matter of speaking by hip-hop and, and rap and yep. stuff. 
Yeah. It's like you can't even get all the good R&B artists unless there's somebody that's been in it for a long time that you know, you know, like Trey Songs or, or Charlie Wilson, you know, Anthony Hamilton, and Usher's even going electro in his career. Yeah. so slowed down in R&B. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because you'll get a lot of comments when you put out a slow song. At least I do, anyways. Like, I think this is so, this song is amazing. I love the um, I love the musicality of it. I love this and that, but it doesn't fit in my set. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, maybe it doesn't fit next to a techno set or you know, like something a little more electronica. But it's still great music. But at the same time, that's the excuse that they use when they say, oh, well, I can't support it because it's too slow or, you know, it's not exactly what I'm looking for, but it's still good music. So that's a little disheartening sometimes, but ultimately as, as an artist, you just have to make what feels good to you. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like your your point with Japan is so interesting because there's actually Japanese artists in Japan that can sell 10 million albums. And that's, that's so rare in the United States that to think of like such a little island providing mm-hmm. so much support for one artist Ten million albums is pretty pretty insane. So I can see why artists are drawn to that. I know because um, we're actually considering spending about a month or two in, in Asia and um, Europe, um, just promoting him and just like bringing back that that attention that he he had when he first put it mm-hmm. out there. Because he's never even been over there. He's just got the music over there. And oh now, wow! They are they're um, loving him in South Africa too. And um, but he's not going to South Africa. Africa is kind of unstable. Nobody wants to go over there to do anything. But um, right now, you know, everything's everybody's going towards Europe and, and Asia. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when we go over there, it'll probably be like as if he was the superstar or something over there. But when he comes back home, we can just go home, hang out with the kids. Yeah, go to the supermarket, not even be noticed. <laughs> yeah, you know. Go That's to the store, fun too. You know? <laughs> hang out at the mall. Nobody will have a clue. Right, <laughs> right. That's what he does kind of fun now. Too. Yeah, right. I mean, like when you go out, like do the people just say, "Oh my God, it's by you," or do you do you just like get overlooked? Um, most of the time, I get overlooked just because I don't have that sort of scale yet. I'm not big enough that everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, it's Beyonce," you know. But I do get, you know, "Oh wow, I you were my favorite VJ on MTVU," or "I love your music," and that's always fun. So for me, it's it's still really fun and exciting. But I can definitely see how you know artists and celebrities sort of when they are chased by paparazzi and being recognized all the time and they just can't even get a scoop of ice cream or, you know, go to the supermarket without getting harassed, essentially, um, even if fans don't necessarily need to do that, um, it just, it can get a little tedious, you know? Now, do but you right go now, out all slammed me, out every day? All or slammed do you, out. Or <laughs> cap and t-shirt and jeans? Um, I I definitely love t-shirt and jeans I'm a t-shirt and jeans girl But I also work really hard So most of the time I am just in the studio making music Or writing music or interacting with my fans But when I do go out I do try to, you know, dress nicely (laughs) Comb my hair and put on a nice little dress Just so people aren't like, oh my gosh I thought you were going to be attractive But you're really not (laughs) 
So at least I have to be presentable, and I do try to, you know, look nice. <laughs> yeah, because they really try to put you on the spot. They're like, this is so-and-so without makeup, or this is so-and-so at McDonald's. Oh, my gosh. diet today, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, they'll pick on little things, like her nail is slightly chipped, and then there will be, like, a huge blown-up image of that. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you can't, you can't even have spinach in your teeth without, like, the whole world knowing about it. <laughs> I mean, don't but even so, have a fight with your boyfriend in the street. No. That. <laughs> Just being like a normal person is not normal because all of a sudden you're a diva or you're like crazy. Just because you're, like you're not you're supposed somebody. to have a real life, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm enjoying where I am right now, but I definitely look forward to being there once I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you set any, any particular goals for yourself within the next five years? Um, I feel like being a musician and always having such high aspirations, my goals are always going to be a little bit crazy. I mean, for me, my five-year goal is always, always going to be to win a Grammy, you know, um, be number one on iTunes, be number one in Japan overseas. I also want to actually do some uh, major motion pictures. I would also, I love to just build an empire. I love fashion. I love, um, you know, beauty. Just branching in somewhere, either with a fashion line or a shoe line or a bag line, um, and just also creating a positive difference in the world. I recently got um, involved with an organization called Cherish Feet, where um, the founder founded it because her mother was a missionary and she would go overseas to countries like Haiti and see that a lot of kids, sometimes they would have raggedy clothes, but unfortunately they would have to walk long distances to school and they wouldn't have shoes. And so a lot of these kids would have blisters on their feet. And when she saw that, um, she essentially wanted to start an organization um, where folks would be able to donate shoes and she would fly that over to the needy kids. And so being able to be a humanitarian help out and really support organizations like that will be really important to me, not only now, but even to a larger extent in five years. Oh, well, you make sure you keep me up to date with that organization because um, we do some um, things where we, you know, like to donate some of the proceeds from events to, to, you know, nice organizations like that. That Sometimes they're overlooked by the larger um, philanthropists because they mm-hmm. like to donate money to big organizations so they can see their name somewhere. But right. we concentrate on a lot of the smaller organizations or some that don't get a lot of notoriety because of what they do. So please give right, me that right. information when you get a chance. Oh, absolutely. I would love to do that. Now, as far as being Asian American, I know that when um, Hollywood or the whole entertainment industry kind of grasps at you, a lot of times they try to stick you in, in a martial arts movie or something like that. <laughs> you know? And like they did that with um, a few um, Asian musicians. Um, there was one that was in the movie Seven Swords, and then mm-hmm. I think there's the yeah. guy. I think Rain was in something, and um, it's really funny because like you, you had no idea this person was like a pop star or something in in Asia, but they're just in this movie, you know, kicking somebody's butt. Now, would you be opposed if somebody ever came to you and said, "Look, I just want you to play the really the the, the damsel in distress in this kung fu movie"? Would you do that? Um. Yes, I would, depending on whether or not it's it's a well-produced film and the message behind it is good, just because I think everyone has to start somewhere. You know, even 
even Pink had to do what her label wanted to do so she can get out there and really do what she wants to do. So at the same time, while I'm creating films myself and with my team, um, where I'm playing a non-martial arts role and providing mm-hmm. myself for that opportunity, I also want to be able to, you know, be in the the larger um, camera's eye and get myself out there so that people have their eyes on me once I do have my own projects complete at the same time. So, you know, I feel like it's just part of paying my dues. And as long as it's not – and even with, like, Green Lantern, like you said, um, as long as it's, like, something that's actually well-produced and, you know, it's not making fun of Asian culture, it's actually empowering us, and um, and it's just some good fun, I would definitely be down for it. Yeah, I can see you in, in an angly um, production, you know, something like that, because he always does this beautiful cinematic um, work, oh, yeah. and it's not always about martial arts. It's actually about um, Asian history, so that I could see you in that. And um, as far as, like, anybody else, any kind of martial arts stuff, I can't see you. I, I wouldn't take you. don't look like you could hurt anybody, so. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't even want to know. Why that buy you in that Jet Li movie? Get out of here. You know? Oh my gosh! I actually, <laughs> Jet Li, I had the biggest crush on him when I was little. I wanted to be in a Jet Li movie so bad, but I also wanted to be in a Double O Seven movie because that was <laughs> essentially the and only um, a, one. The next Bond girl too, yeah, because they haven't had an Asian American girl. I don't know if they ever had one, or it's been a while. Because if we just it's, got a black one, been a while. Lord knows when they're going to put somebody else on there again. You know, I'm waiting for. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, I bet you they get a, an alien on there before they put, like, multiple black, Asian, and Latino girls on <laughs> Actually, I, I, think, I think there was an Asian woman on there. I want to say... I know they had no, actually, um, um, from, um, what's her name? Um, she was in Jet Li movies, but she was with her, um, Pierce Brosnan, but, you know, right. like, prior to her, I, didn't, I don't remember anybody, and if they were on there, they were very... They weren't p- promoted as the Bond girl, you know. Right, right. Everybody else but was the Bond girl. Being in China, like, looking at my black and white TV growing up, so that was, like, the only American film that I remembered. And so when I came to the States, I was like, where are all my gadgets? And where's all the pretty girls? And, like, where's James Bond? But <laughs> that was sort of, like, my idea. It was Disneyland and James Bond. But so for me growing up, I already went to Disneyland, which I'm super, I was super excited about. But I think <laughs> it would be so great if I could be a Bond girl. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would be too. And if I ever come across anybody that says, you know, we're looking for the next, you know, Bond girl or whatever, because I don't even know when they do another Bond movie. Um, they don't even have a Bond guy. So, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I think was, they're I looking for that in first. Right in the hat. Yeah, because um, <laughs> they they had they had a movie and they were working on it, but then they just kind of like stopped because Daniel, I don't think, wants to do it anymore. And oh, so I didn't now know they got to find another. They had to pay him a whole lot of money for him to do it again because he's like, you got to take forever to make the darn movie. You know, I could be doing like 12 movies by the time you do this one movie. Oh, you my know? gosh. And, and, like, he was a great Bond, but I never looked at him as a Bond because he was so short. And But he's like a little little pit bull, you know, like he's like mm-hmm. a little feisty, fierce guy, can kick butt and run fast. And he showed the humanity of the actual Bond character like if if James was a real person you know right. he, he didn't always get away without getting hurt or mm-hmm. you know I mean yeah. like they put some damage on that man and like he actually did physical stuff James Bond wasn't that physical it just always looked like a stunt right. man so I could definitely see you in a Bond movie or something similar to that well let's work that out 
All right, so if they do another, um, you know, um, rush hour. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I can. Uh, rush hour I mean, 10. It's, a, it's a great. It's a great. Um, it's a great sort of series, and it's a great film. But most of the Asian girls are like in the massage parlor. Which is meant to be funny, but at the same time, it's like, do I really want to? Uh, well, they never have anybody doing anything. I like to, I mean, other than my girl, they they need to have a good girl. They just had um, Rosalind play the, the good girl, and the other girl played the bad girl. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they need a good girl. Maybe like, well, they had one girl, but she was like Jackie's cousin or something, or ex, ex-girlfriend or some mess. But, um, like, somebody who could actually be on the same level as them, get the, the, enough dialogue. You know, to be able to talk and be like a cop or something. Maybe right. this was liking her or something, and and she's Someone like who's just as strong. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yep. Totally. Ex-girlfriend. Totally. That would be cool. So I can see something like that. I like to see you do. You have like this look like you can seriously do an action movie. Although in real life, you really can't. You know, punch somebody. <laughs> who says I can do anything? <laughs> and. It's funny because um, I also have a comic book coming out, um, and so for the cover of the comic book, we actually wanted to do a live cover, so I have all these, you know, like, guns and all this, like, all this gear on, so it made me feel like I could kick some ass, so right now, I'm feeling like I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I can see you do that, and as long as they make you do the soundtrack, I'm happy, you know, because, I mean, what would be the point of wasting that talent, just having you just show up and do a few scenes here? You can't sing a song, too. I would would love for you to do a little bit more, so that's what they need to do. They need to integrate... If they're gonna put a musician in a movie like that, they need right, to integrate, you integrate it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation, our interview so much, and uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you. And hopefully, we pleasure. can continue to work together. And um, I am keeping you in mind for the, um, you know, for the hosting thing I was telling you about. Um, so you can <laughs> travel, meet lots more people. We're working awesome. on that, and I think I might have you definitely come out to our festival. Um, uh, in May, so I'm working on that now, so you know. Great. I really, really appreciate that, and I always enjoy talking to you. Well, I'm going to end our show with the uh, final song that I received from you, Foolish, and I want to thank everybody for being a part of the audience. And if you are um, interested in hearing more about um, Bayou's music, Bayou, would you please share your link? Absolutely. So everyone can go to www.buyyouonline.com, B-A-I-Y-U-Online.com, and that links you to my Twitter, my YouTube, my Facebook, um, everything else, as well as my blog and a, a bunch of updates. So just go there and hit me up, and I would love to especially um, hear from you on Twitter, and I am the at sign Bayou Music, B-A-I-Y-U-M-U-S-I-C. Thank you so much, sweetheart. And, Thank um, you. I really appreciate it. I wish you so it. much good fortune with your career. And, you know, anything I can do to help, you know, I'll be happy to do so. So I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. And you have a great weekend, and we're going to go ahead and play <laughs> Foolish, which is, is another beautiful song by Bayou. And thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay tuned. We'll be, you know, having some more shows later, but right now we're kind of concentrating on this upcoming festival. So, you know, everybody keep listening and keep tuning in. Make my show a favorite. Thank you.
Did he? 